Hello everybody! Welcome back to the Dragon's Library. Now this week we have two very interesting things to do work on today. Uh, so for today we're going to be reviewing a book called Throne of Jade by Naomi Novik. It is the sequel to His Majesty's Dragon and probably would have to rank as my favorite in the series. Maybe it would be a tie between the first one and this one. So His Majesty's Dragon and Throne of Jade are kind of like tied. They don't have my favorite moment in the series, but they do overall average for me my favorite books in the series. Um, and then on Thursday, since it's finally coming out, we're going to be reviewing Demon Slayer, the movie Mugen Train, and it's going to be awesome. Um, the movie just looks fantastic from all the trailers I've seen, and I can't wait to discuss it. So, now that that's out of the way and you know what we're working on this week, let's go! So... The Throne of Jade is the sequel to His Majesty's Dragon. Uh, for those of you who don't know, it's about a naval captain, Will Lawrence, who gets partnered with a dragon during the Napoleonic Wars. Because in this universe, the Napoleon, the dragons have always existed along with sea serpents and a few other creatures. Um, and they're a part of history. So he gets recruited into the Aerial Corps with various political and social problems resulting from that because it's not considered a respectable profession because you get tied to what's essentially an animal in a lot of circles. Uh, but dragons are actually really intelligent and he ends up really enjoying Timur's company and they end up helping to thwart a invasion by Napoleon to cross the channel using dragons to ferry his troops. So during that battle, Timur displayed an ability. See, Timur is a rare breed of dragon. He was originally thought to be an imperial, but during the battle he used an ability that was a select, that's related specifically to the Celestials. And they're an offshoot of Imperials that have the ability to basically create this massive concussive roar um, called the Divine Wind. Now, they look very similar to Imperials, so he was mislabeled as one by the British dragon experts at the time that they visited, because they just had never seen them. There are apparently only like five of these in the world. Um, so anyway... As you can imagine, though, these dragons are considered sacred to the Chinese. Like, so sacred they can only be uh, partners to, like, emperors or those closely related to emperors. Um, and so after the Chinese find out about it, because, again, it was a massive major battle, and even though they don't really care much for the West, uh, they do eventually hear of it, the Chinese come to uh, take him back, basically. But Temeraire is extremely attached to Lawrence because they have just the most adorable relationship ever. Um, and the British government ends up trying to separate them and get him to go with them. And that's basically how the book starts. Uh, Lawrence has been separated from Temeraire for a few weeks now. They won't allow him to see him. And Temeraire is getting increasingly more annoyed at the Chinese attempts to uh, take him back to China and leave Lawrence here. So... It ends up start basically the inciting incident is that a group of French dragons are attacking. Basically, they attempt to they get Timur really upset while Lawrence is visiting this covered, even though he's not allowed to view him. He wants to you know leave messages and stuff like that. And Timur gets really upset, grabs Lawrence and leaves. He heads back to their uh, the Aerial Corps base, Dover's Co Dover Covet. And it turns out there's a battle with the French. So Temeraire and Lawrence go fight. Temeraire is mildly wounded and Lawrence is unconscious. And when he wakes up, there's basically a standoff. Um, the Chinese are really upset at this point. The Chinese ambassadors, including one of their princes, Prince Yongxing, are really upset at this point. 
the generals, the the generals and Admiral D just want Lawrence to possibly be executed for what they view as pretty much treason or inciting war with China. And it eventually gets decided that the Chinese are sick of waiting, and if Timurar won't be separated from Lawrence, then Captain Lawrence has to come with them. So uh, the Admiralty are happy to just get rid of this entire incident and throw the two of them under the bus. So yeah, they get shipped off to China. Um, the book is really interesting because unlike a lot of these kind of stories, yeah, it's a war story. So yes, it has some, you know, nice, exciting battles. They even actually fight a sea serpent at one point, uh, during the journey, but it really does investigate a lot more of the human elements behind these wars. Uh, and the amount of historical research she did for characters like, uh, Admiral Linton and things and other historical, um, historical figures is really impressive. I'm not sure if Prince Yongxing is a historical figure. I don't think he is. Um, I did not do as much research on the Chinese section because China is so different from the modern day one due to their dragon system and stuff like that. Like they have one of the largest uh, aerial cores in all the world because they have like a really extensive dragon breeding program and dragons are basically like secondary citizens rather than uh, war mounts in China. Uh, and that becomes the main tension as both they go on their journey and they come to realize just how different the Chinese treat dragons, almost like actual sentient creatures capable of, you know, hatching and learning before choosing a partner. Whereas in uh, Britain, they're expected to choose a partner right out of the shell or they're sent off to the breeding grounds, stuff like that. It's really interesting. Um, all in all, it's just like a slow burn. But it's a really interesting slow burn in the sense that you get this very in-depth exploration of Lawrence and Temeraire's relationship. So Lawrence is tied between his uh, relationship to Temeraire. He hatched him. He saw he bonded with the dragon out of the egg, read to him when he was young. He convinced Temeraire to go into battle for England. He trained with Temeraire. He stayed there for nights. They two of them comfort each other. He was all but disowned when he decided to go into the Arrow Corps by his father. Uh, he wasn't properly disowned, but his father said, you've given me enough reason to, but I don't want to expect to go out of it. So he gave up a lot for this. And then the Admiralty is like, no, this is causing too much trouble. Get that beast out of here. And he has to really grapple with the fact that these were the people he used to kind of respect to a certain extent. Because he was a naval captain. And yeah, he might have very well been amongst those people had he not you know, become Timuraire's captain. All in all, it's a very fascinating and kind of heartfelt um, understanding because Lawrence wants to like defend like the fact that Yongxin calls them savages, but by the end of the book, he's kind of agreeing with him that uh, England's treatment of dragons isn't exactly right. It's misguided. It's based on outdated notions about dragon intelligence. It's basically kind of cruel. But he also doesn't think, know if he can do anything about it, or they even have a right to do anything about it. Um, and eventually, he decides that if Temeraire wants to stay in China, he might very well decide to stay with them. But in the end, they don't. Um, they do end up going back to Britain, although they haven't left yet by the end of the series. They just get uh, work on it. But that's getting a little before the head. So, now that I've given you like, a brief overview of the entire, entire book, I want to go into some of the more interesting characters we get to see. Uh, Granby, Lawrence's lieutenant, is really interesting in this book. He acts as sort of like a voice of reason for Lawrence a lot, but at the same time, also a emotional voice. Uh, a lot of times, 
it's a balance between him and Riley and Hammond. Uh, Riley was Lawrence's naval lieutenant who ends up uh, being the captain on the dragon ship for them since he knew Lawrence. Uh, they wanted to have a captain they would, you know, be amicable with. And then Hammond is the ambassador to China, the one that gets assigned to them at the last second. Uh, he's actually a lot of fun. He's very competent in his job and always thinks things through very efficiently. He's a bit too eager to set up a relationship with China, and Lawrence gets offended a few times because he feels like he would be perfectly happy if Temeraire abandoned them uh, or was tricked into going to China if only he got them good trade deals. And while I do get sort of that vibe from him, you also get the vibe that he's really trying his best to make sure everyone comes out of the scenario happy. Uh, Hammond is one of those really interesting characters where I'm not sure I like him, but I can definitely respect him. He's very competent in his job, very good at reading the room, and although he might be a bit too eager to dismiss minor inconsistencies as, oh, well, that could have just been an accident, especially during the sea voyage when Lawrence is almost killed by this Chinese servant a few times and it, looks, and it appears like it might have been Yongxing's doing, and we later learn that it was, uh, Hammond is quick to point out there's really no proof, and what could we do even if we had proof? It's not like we're in a position to do anything about it, and it doesn't, and, you know, the circumstances were very confused, and there wasn't really a lot of evidence one way or the other. And, but the thing is, immediately after they find proof, he's very quick to start planning up, uh, uh, you know, defenses or telling Lawrence not to go anywhere without other people or, and to start plotting with others who might be sympathetic allies in the Chinese court. He's somebody who won't react out of emotion immediately without proof, but he is willing to do the right thing if there's benefit in doing it and the right thing is indeed something we can actually do. He's not someone prone to pointless action, basically. Uh, he's a very minor character, but he is there, and I did like him, so I really wanted to point that out. Naomi, Novik did a great job building his character. I really like him. He comes back later in the series, too. It's oh, it's That's going to be a lot of fun if we get there. So uh, for now, though, let's return to the whole Chinese plot, so how that turns out. So after the sea voyage, they get to China, and they have to end up having to wait a few months. Uh, there are different plots with Yongxing trying to get Temeraire attached to a young Chinese prince, uh, one of his nephews, so he can insert him on the throne. And it becomes clear he's plotting to murder the emperor and usurp his throne. Uh, they end up partnering with his brother, I believe, who is actually partnered with Temeraire's brother. The reason they sent him to Napoleon, because that's who Temeraire was supposed to go to. He was on a French ship when he was captured. That's how Lawrence and him met. Uh, he was supposed to go to Napoleon, but it was because he was born from two twin eggs. And since Celestials are only supposed to go to, like, the Emperor and their kin, it's a really high honor. So if Temeraire had been presented to any Chinese official or, you know, high-up Chinese person, they could have possibly challenged Yongxing's uh, brother for the throne. So he was sent away. Uh, Temeraire gets to meet his mother. He gets a love interest with an Imperial. And China has this really cool, like, dragon-human culture going on for it. Uh, dragons are like, some dragons are scholars, some dragons are warriors, some dragons are just messengers. They have an entire system based around human-dragon interactions. Like, you even get to go see a classroom where there are just like tons of human and human children and dragon hatchlings learning together. Um, and Lawrence asks, oh, so how are they, uh, paired up? It's like, oh, no, 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 that's not for many years later. They need to get a good education in them so they can, uh, really judge the character of what humans they decide to partner with. And it's like, oh, that's very interesting. And Lawrence even does make an actual argument that a uh, younger pairing can result in a much more emotional bond, which is true, but it can also lead to dragons being bonded to people who aren't exactly 
uh, kind to them in return, such as Levitas and Rankin. And so you get to see the kind of double-edged sword of their methods. Like, yes, the British method is implied to, you know, give a stronger bond, but it also does implicitly cause um, dragons to trust humans they normally shouldn't. Uh, I'm not sure if Yong Xing was presented Lian out of the eggshell. Uh, she's going to be like a major antagonist leader. So Yong Xing is partnered with a albino celestial called Lian. And despite there only being like fine celestials, Lian is considered unlucky and like cursed because of her albino coloring. As a result, Yong Xing basically gave up his right to the throne in order to uh, make sure that she didn't leave the country. And that's part of the reason he's very very determined to make sure Timuraire stays in China. Uh, in the end, they they uh, he tries to have Lawrence killed during a festival, and Timuraire finally snaps. He and Lian fight, and during the fighting, a piece of rubble ends up spearing Yongxing through the eye. Uh, his plans are later revealed, and Lawrence and all of them are cleared of all wrongdoing. And they decide to unofficially adopt Lawrence as like the Emperor's son, because his father's a noble in Britain, but it's not like an official adoption. It's more of, look, we only can allow the emperor's relations to have this, so you're literally just adopted so that you can have Temeraire around you because he will choose no one else. Um, but Lien survives, and she's last seen talking with the French ambassadors and ends up going to France, which is, oh my... Temeraire has killed the only person who cared about her, the only person who made sure that she was cared for and loved, when everyone else thought she was unlucky, that she was misfortune incarnate. And now she's going to make sure he suffers as much as possible. So Lian's going to be a really cool enemy for the rest of the years. You don't get to see much of her in this book, but she's really cool, and you get to see more of her in the next few books. So yeah. I think that's it. Uh, the core of this story really is, though, Lawrence and Temeraire, their, their relationship as it goes through these rocky phases. You get, you really do get this sense that they care deeply about each other, but they're not like this blindly devoted, oh, the first few weeks of marriage kind of happy uh, relationship. It The relationship has problems. Lawrence and Temeraire agree on a lot of things, but they disagree on how they should react to these things. Temeraire sees this slave ship during their journey past Cape Town, and he wants to immediately rush in and play, save them, but Lawrence has to give, tell them that we can't do that because we're British officers, and those are actually British ships. Um, and there are a lot of other things like this. It's Temeraire feels they should always be doing what's right, regardless of their duty, whereas Lawrence acts as a sort of social voice of reason, and Temeraire acts as a personal one. And the two of them, despite loving each other very, uh, very, very much, do have different beliefs on how far that duty actually goes. Um, and it's very interesting to see their relationship, especially since Temer is much more upfront about just being wanting to be done with this whole thing. But he also loves China and ends up deciding to go back to Britain in order to improve the lives of other dragons. He wants to bring their methods uh, and potential liberties to the dragons of Britain and even his friends. And so the, the, the story ends on kind of a hopeful note, you know, uh, Lawrence and him are be separated. They've learned a lot in China about ways the aerial core could be improved. And they're going back to try and make lives better for their friends and to help win the war. So, yeah. I love Throne of Jade. It's probably one of the, my favorite books that I've, like, ever read. Easily in my top ten. Um, and 
I think you should all give it a try. If you like His Majesty's Dragon, you're definitely going to love the sequel. So, yeah. I'll see you guys on Thursday to review the Demon Slayer movie. Well, let's have a lot of fun then. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode, and thank you for listening to The Dragon's Library. Please, subscribe to this podcast to be notified of new episodes. The Dragon's Library releases new episodes Tuesday and Friday each week. And you can follow us on Twitter at dragon underscore library two. If you want to suggest an episode topic, my email is in the description below. And as always, thank you so much for all your support.